When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Roto World Football Podcast. I am your host, Raymond Summerlin, and I am joined today, as I am every single Thursday, by Nick Minzio to talk about the best starts and most notable sits for week 13, the fantasy football season, the final week of the fantasy football regular season in most leagues. Rich Rebar will also be hopping on later to discuss some of the most interesting data points from his weekly worksheet column, which I I would recommend you read every single week. I always find nuggets in there for every game, and it's just an absolute great read, so make sure you check that out. Before we get to that, however, I would like to mention the best way you can help out the podcast, whether you find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or some other service, Rating and reviewing helps us in the rankings. It helps others find the show, and we very much appreciate it. So if you could take some time, you know, two, three minutes and do that, we, we very much would appreciate it. All right, that other way, let's, let's get up to the action. What's up, Nick? How are your, uh, how are your teams doing? What are, what are the playoffs looking like in your season-long teams? Uh, I'm only in two leagues, honestly, so I don't have too much, too much going on, too much to maintain, but... I think I'm six and six and one. I'm six and six in both. So I got hurt by injuries real bad. So it's just like kind of killing my buzz for season long fantasy, honestly. A certain person on this podcast sent you to six and six in one of those leagues. It's really the only reason I asked. Yeah, yeah. You beat me last week, didn't you? Only reason, literally, I had to pay you back for an early, an early season beatdown. Only reason I even brought it up. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, we're getting to that. We're getting to that, that part of the year, right? It's, it's playoffs are on the horizon. It seems like every single one of my teams is seven and five or six and six or five and seven. It, it's been yeah. one of those years. It's been very up and down, really not many consistent performances performers. So it's going to be going to be an interesting final week. And hopefully we'll be able to to help you get ready. And, and kind of in that vein, before we before we get to the starts and sits, which I know everybody wants to hear, let's talk like we always do about some news. And it, it's going to be an interesting week at tight end, a position that's been interesting all season because there really haven't been any consistent performers. Now, two of the best performers, Rob Gronkowski and Jordan Reed, they both missed practice on Wednesday. I guess we should talk about Gronk first. You know, it makes a lot of sense this week after he injured his back, coming back from a chest injury. He obviously has back concerns that go all the way back to college. It makes sense for the Patriots to hold him out against the Rams, massive home favorites against the Rams this week. What's your gut feeling about if they're going to roll Gronk out there or if they're going to hold him back? And if he sits, how do you value Martellus Bennett and kind of the the tight end pantheon? I mean, my my gut tells me he's not going to play. There's just no reason for him to play. They don't need Gronkowski to help him win this game. Uh, take it slow with them. They're they're heading into the playoffs with with ease in that AFC. Um, if if he sits, I mean, we've we've gone through this before with Bennett. Like we we talk him up and then he just lets us down every time. So I, I mean, I don't know how to feel about him. He didn't practice today either, but that's kind of been the normal for him sitting out with that ankle injury on Wednesdays and practicing on Thursdays and Fridays and playing. But 
I mean, I'm not too excited about Bennett, I'll tell you that. I mean, I think they're going to run the ball down the Rams' throats. So if I'm going to play anyone in this pass game, it's probably going to be Edelman just because he's been dominating targets without Gronk lately. So that's where I would go. Yeah, I feel the same I feel the same way about it. And you mentioned that Bennett has disappointed. He's played six games already this season. So we're not talking about a small sample size. Six games as the NFL goes, that's that's a decent, decent amount of games with Gronk either out or or limited as he was, you know, a couple of those first weeks where he was back active. And he has a thirteen point two percent target share in those games. He's been held under twenty five yards four times. Now the other two games were over 100 yards. I think they were 109 and 119 or something like that. So he does have that big game in him, but you're right. We just haven't seen enough. The problem is, like, who, who are you going to play ahead of him if Gronk sits? You're going to play Cameron Brink I mean, ahead of him? There, are, are, you gonna play? there are a ton of, ton of good tight ends and good spots this week, honestly. I think, I think so, at least. So who, like, who are you thinking about there? I mean, I like C.J. Fedorowicz. I mean, I know he's a little banged up, but I like him against the Packers. Uh Jimmy Graham's in a great spot. Antonio Gates is in a great spot. Zach Ertz is in an awesome spot, especially if J-Matt sits. Uh, we'll talk about another guy, Jermaine Gresham, later. I, lo- I like him in this spot. And Travis Kelsey, I think, is the top tight end on the board this week for sure. Yeah, I think it's between Kelsey and Graham. I, I, yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. And, and, and I agree with you about, about basically all of those. But even if you get through those names, then you have Bennett at 11th? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. 12th. It, that's kind of been the story of tight end this year. And and so it's going to be interesting. And, and kind of speaking of that, we might also be without, if we're without Rob Gronkowski, we might also be without Jordan Reed, as I mentioned, who he sat out with his shoulder injury Wednesday's practice. I, it's the exact same question for him. In your gut, do you think he's going to play? And if not, what do we do with Vernon Davis? No, I don't think he's going to play. They were saying at practice that he couldn't even like lift his arm. He had to keep his, his left arm in his pocket just to keep it rested on something. Uh, he caught balls one-handed at practice with his right arm. I mean, that's obviously not not something to get game ready doing. So it's a grade three separation. It's pretty much completely separated AC joint. And I'm definitely not expecting him to play in Arizona. And I guess Vernon Davis is going to play over 90% of the snaps. Going to be an every-down player, but this this Arizona defense has been the only team not to allow a touchdown to tight ends this season. They've only allowed 32 catches total throughout the year across 11 games to tight ends. So this is a really tough spot for Davis. But, I mean, it's hard to pass up on a, on a tight end playing 95% of the snaps and such a shallow position. I mean, you could do a lot worse than Davis. Yeah, it's kind of where I am on Davis, too. I I, I just went through and looked at all these because we are going to have these fill-ins. And, and he played two games without Jordan Reed. He had 129 yards and a touchdown total in those games 13.7 percent target share but you mentioned how bad of a bad of a schedule this is and you mentioned the no touchdowns and just what they've done all year in the last four games the Cardinals have given up 97 yards total to tight ends four games 97 yards that's I think a huge game last week was a Levine Toilolo like uh he he ran out in the flats and they were they blitzed uh Matt Ryan last week and he caught a pass and went like 20-something yards, too, and that was like their only big game to a tight end last week, too. Yeah, it's just – and it, it's not like – I mean, Austin Hooper's been playing fine, so it's not like the Falcons don't have anybody. It's just they legitimately yeah. shut down tight ends. That's what they do, and and I'm very concerned about Davis. So I guess I guess here's a good question. If both Gronk and Reed sit, would you rather have Vernon Davis or Martellus Bennett? Give me Vernon Davis in the higher total game. Uh, should be more passes thrown in that game, so I'll, I'll take Vernon Davis. Yeah, I, I might take Martellus Bennett, but I mean, I think it's close. I think that's kind of the range we're talking about. And and those guys, unfortunately, because the way tight end is, those guys are are actually viable options, especially especially in 12 and 14 team leagues. And a little bit better news, 
Uh, I guess this is not as, as good news if you if you own Tyreek Hill or, or were all in on him early in the week like I was. Jeremy Macklin, somewhat surprisingly, I think, returned to practice on Wednesday. You would think a practice this early in the week means he will play, but he has been out a while. He could suffer a setback. He, he does have a – it is a soft tissue injury, which is a concern. But what do we do with him now, Jeremy Macklin, and and how do you think this affects Tyreek Hill? Yeah, this, I think this is going to affect Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey pretty bad if uh, Macklin plays. But I, I just don't know if he's going to play or not. I mean, it's the first practice he's had in a month, so – they might want to ease him back in. They, they've they've shown they can have offense without Macklin in there. I mean, Tyreek Hill has play, been playing lights out lately. I mean, he, he was awesome in that Sunday night game last week. And, then, and Travis Kelsey's top tight end in targets per game over the past four weeks. So I think Macklin's return is definitely going to hurt both those guys. We've seen this offense can't support more than one or two guys in the passing game with Alex Smith. So if Macklin plays, I would def, it's, it's a big downgrade to Tyreek Hill's matchup. Yeah, I agree with that. I The one thing that I'm kind of – hanging my hat on because I did like Tyree kill a lot this week and I think he's going to stay involved. You know, I think it's when I think about who Tyree kill is, he is the good offensive version of Dexter McCluster and DeAnthony Thomas, who Andy Reed has been wanting to get involved in an offense for what the last five seasons. So I think that, I think that there's a, there's a, a idea that he's going to stay involved, but he has 10 targets in two of the last three weeks. I would doubt very much that would happen if Jeremy Macklin is healthy. You mentioned Travis Kelsey, who has had uh, massive target shares, really, with, with Macklin out, uh, that's probably going to go away. I, I actually like this offense better if Macklin stays hurt, at least from a fantasy perspective. 100% agree. 100% so it's, with you. Yeah, it's, it's such a tough situation. We'll see how it plays out, but you're right. I think it's a big downgrade for those two guys if he plays. All right, let's get to the starts and the sits. We do this every week. You can read about all of Nick's starts and sits in his uh, conveniently named Stardom Sitem column. <laughs> which is uh, which is out every Thursday as you're listening to this podcast. You can find it on rotorworld.com. Make sure you do that. First name on your list is LeGarrette Blunt, who is coming off a game in which he had both his lowest snap percentage and his lowest carry total of the season against the Jets. He's now failed to find the end zone twice in the last two weeks after doing that only once in the first 10. But he gets the Rams. He's at home. They're big favorites. Do you expect him to rebound in this spot? Big time, big time. Yeah. I mean, the past two games are on the road. Like you said, he hasn't scored a touchdown in two weeks. But I think this is a huge bounce-back spot for him. The Rams are just getting creamed on the ground. They gave up a ton of yards to Mark Ingram last week. Over the past three games, they're allowing 5.85 yards per carry to running backs. And running backs are averaging almost 24 carries per game in those in that span. So we saw this last year with the Rams. I mean, their defense is on the field so much early in the year. That, I mean, they played great defense first eight, ten weeks of the season. but they just get gassed at the end of the year because they're on the field so much and, and they start to wear it down. And, and I think that's what's happening right now. And I think uh, I'm as 13 and a half point favorites, LeGarrette Blunt's like a lock to play. And if you're, if you uh, need touchdowns and this is huge critical week for the fantasy playoffs, you know? Yeah. I mean, Patriots 13 and a half point home favorites. That's a situation that is pretty much tailor made for LeGarrette Blunt to have a massive game. Like that's if you're, if you're trying to pick out, Okay, if I'm looking for things to check off for the weeks I want to play LeGarrette Blunt, a massive home favorite is the biggest box that you have. So I agree with you completely. I think he's going to have a great game. A guy that actually had, you know, Blunt had probably his worst game of the season last week. The guy that had his best game of, of maybe his career, certainly <laughs> in a, his Cardinals career for sure, was Jermaine Gresham, who shocked the world by seeing 10 targets against the Falcons. He only managed 35 yards. He did find the end zone. 
Was this a one-week wonder, or do you think the Cardinals are going to try to make him a focal point of the offense again this week against Washington? Man, I, I, he was like back from the dead last week. I literally was watching the game. I was like, I didn't even know Jermaine Gresham was still in the league. And then he goes out and gets 10 targets, scored a touchdown on the first possession, had a touchdown go off his chest in the fourth quarter after Keanu Neal popped him at the goal line. So he could have easily had two touchdowns. And I know uh, with John Brown out, that hamstring thing's giving him fits with that sickle cell trait. And J.J. Nelson's just not, was that like flash in the pan for like one week earlier in the season. Michael Floyd's not doing anything on the outside still. I just think Jermaine Gresham's elevated into this number three or number four pass game option, and he gets an awesome spot against this Redskins defense that's 32nd versus tight ends in the past five weeks, allowing an average line of 7.5, 87.75 yards, and 0.75 touchdowns to the position over that time. And Gresham played 94% of the snaps last week, so he, he's he's on the field a ton, like we said with Vernon Davis earlier. You could, you could do worse than getting guys that are on the field for every snap. And he has at least five targets in in three of his last four games. So he has kind of been getting more involved, which is really surprising for Bruce Arians' offense. I actually had to look it up because I, I was thinking about it a little bit. That was only his fifth time in his career with double-digit targets. He, he did three with 10 with the Bengals, and then he had one with 12 with the Bengals. But those were the last, the, the only other four times he had double-digit targets. So it really was, it really was an interesting performance. But you're right, it's a good spot for them. They have a lot of problems at receivers, so we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. Moving to the, to the more negative side, and it's funny because these two guys actually had good weeks, or at least good weeks for what they had been this year. And we'll start with Deshaun Jackson, who finally broke out with 118 yards and a touchdown against the Cowboys. He did have a touchdown the week before, but but this was really the big game that we expect. It was his first game with more than 55 yards since week three, just his third touchdown of the season. Do you expect him to carry that good performance into this week? I am not going to hold my breath on this one. I mean, he, he separates all of his big games by a ton of weeks. I mean, his that was his first 100-yard game since week one earlier this season. So I'm not expecting a huge game in this one. Last week, the... The Cardinals got beat for two touchdowns by Taylor Gabriel, but those were both on screen passes. And Deshaun Jackson doesn't isn't that type of player. He's going to run by, run by guys, and I don't see him running by Patrick Peterson too too often in this one. Yeah, and, and to that point, they were screen passes. Maybe that's maybe that's good news for Jamison Crowder, especially if Jordan yeah. Reed sits out, which is certainly something to keep in the back of mind. Finally, DeAndre Hopkins actually had a decent game last week. He caught five passes for seventy yards. That was actually his third highest yardage total of the season, which just which just tells you how dreadful all of my da- dynasty teams have been because I think I have him in basically every one. Can he push on for that good performance this week in a pretty good matchup against the Packers, or do you think Brock Osweiler is just going to continue to hold him back? Yeah, I don't think this is on any way a slight at Hopkins whatsoever. We're definitely, definitely just taking shots here at Brock Osweiler. Brock Osweiler, I think you wrote the blurb earlier this week on him completing only 26% of his passes 15 yards downfield this season, so that's truly pitiful. This uh, Packers defense got a little bit healthier last week, getting Demarius Randall back. Uh, I just don't see this offense, this Texans offense, doing a whole lot in, in Lambeau Field. And I mean, he, Hopkins has only been over 71 yards tw- or once this season, so and he hasn't scored a touchdown since Week Six. And this is a huge week for fantasy, and I want guys that I I know I can count on, and I just can't count on Hopkins right now. It, yeah, it's oh, it's so sad. What's it makes me? It literally makes me sad. What's happened with Hopkins? Hopefully. Uh, Hopefully they can find a competent quarterback or they can try to turn Brock into a competent quarterback. I'll, I won't hold my breath on that one. He had an interception in that game. You mentioned the you mentioned how bad he was downfield. He had an interception in that game where he threw it 
10 feet over CJ Fedorowicz's head, who's who's a big dude. He's a big feller. And he threw it 10 feet over his head. Wide He's done that a couple times to Fedorowicz this season. I, I remember one of those against, uh, I think, the Raiders or or was it the Lions? It was the Lions, that awesome matchup for Fedorowicz. He still scored a touchdown that game, but could have had another in the end zone, but also way overthrew him. Sad, sad, sad. All right. Despite ending on the note that makes me very sad, excellent stuff as always, Nick. Uh, make sure you read that column. I mentioned it earlier. Stardom Sidem. It's a must read every week. It's available right now on Roto World. So go and check it out. You can also find Nick on Twitter at Nick Minzio or every single Thursday on this very episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. As always, thanks for coming on, Nick, and we will talk to you next week. Yep. Good luck this week. And we are back with Rich Rebar. You can find him on Twitter at Lord Reeves. And you can find his must-read weekly column, The Worksheet, every single Wednesday on rotoworld.com. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Go and check it out. And then you can also find him every single week on this very episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. Thanks for coming on, Rich, as always. And uh, how's it going? How was your Thanksgiving? Oh, it was good, man. I hope yours as well. You know, in the honor of Thanksgiving, you know, hopefully we do a little better this week. We picked some real turkeys last week on this on this podcast. Uh, one guy to zero, Eric Ebron. Like he had, he just had a zero, so that was great. And then Rashad Jennings and Demarius Thomas were uh, completely lackluster plays as well. So hopefully we do a little bit better. I'm going to blame it on the holiday, uh, the short week, and here we're going to get back and go for championship week in most leagues. I did like the Ebron one because it it took away all my hope early in a lot of my DFS lineups. So I didn't have to like sweat it out through the Pittsburgh game. I could just I could just sit and say, "Oh, Ebron got zero. Okay, all right, let's move on. I'm gonna enjoy my turkey now and be done." With it. <laughs> I actually crushed Thanksgiving. It was awesome. And then on Sunday, I gave a third of it back. <laughs> that's always the way. I giveth and it taketh. That's, that's how it goes. All right, so let's get started. We're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about a few of the people from your worksheet column. A few of the more interesting interesting data points from the column. Let's get started with possibly the greatest fantasy football player in the history of history, Colin Kaepernick, who mm-hmm. demolished the Dolphins for 113 yards on the ground, another 296 through the air, and three passing touchdowns. Now he gets the Bears, who are just completely beaten up on defense. Is there any way to sit Colin Kaepernick right now? No, I don't think so. And it, you know, and really it's interesting because people like haven't gone all in on Kaepernick yet because of you know the 49er stigma and the fact that some guys just don't want to cheer for him at this stage. Uh, but quarterback scoring in fantasy is not a lateral bar to winning quarterback play in the NFL. And the general public is still a little snoozing a little bit on what Cap is doing for fantasy rosters. I mean, since taking over as the starter, uh, he's actually 16th in the league in rushing. He's ahead of guys like Todd Gurley, Frank Gore, Devontae Freeman over that span who have all played the same amount of games as him. Um, in the past four games, he's added a ton of pa- passing production as well, I mean, which has given him kind of that massive ceiling to go along with that rushing production. Over the past four weeks, he's been the QB8, the QB5, the QB9, and the QB1 last week as he uh, he threw for the most uh, third most yards ever in a uh, 100-yard rushing game uh, in NFL history. Uh, this Sunday, he faces a Bears defense, has been rehampered by injuries and a suspension. I mean, the Bears have allowed three top 12 scoring quarterbacks in a row, four in their past five games. Uh, they faced other rushing quarterbacks like Marcus Mariota, uh, who was the QB8 that week, and Dak Prescott early in the season. He was the QB6. So I think it's a, a locked in another QB1 week for Colin Kaepernick. And I've heard some criticism. Like someone mentioned on Twitter, they said, oh, well, he might not have garbage time this week as if that's where Kaepernick has been 
excelling, and that's just not true. He's actually been better in, in the, the first, first half. half. Seven yeah. of his touchdowns have come in the first half, and I think like 809 of his yards or something like that. So that hasn't been happening. He gets the Bears this week, the Jets after that, the Falcons after that, the Rams after that, who have really been falling apart on defense lately. I, I would rather have Colin Kaepernick than Matthew Stafford. I'd rather have him than Derek Carr. I, I think that he is he's one of those guys that just has to be owned at this point. And this gets thrown around too much. This term gets thrown around too much. But I think that it might actually apply for Kaepernick. He could be a league winner if you were struggling at quarterback and that was really what's holding back your team. He could be this year's Billy Volek, which I think is what all quarterbacks aspire to be, right? So it's it's you need to go pick up Colin Kaepernick. And it, it's really... It's really crazy how many leagues he's, he's still available in. Another guy from the same game who I, I, I think we're both high on is Jordan Howard, who has not been affected by the offensive troubles around him. He's averaged an incredible 5.45 yards per carry over the last four games. The best possible matchup you can have against the 49ers this week. I'm assuming you're in. Tell me I'm wrong. No, you're not. I mean, in a disaster of a season, the Bears at least have Jordan Howard. I mean, he's got 15 or more touches and at least 99 yards from scrimmage in four straight games. And his numbers could be even better if the Bears hung around in more games. I mean, if you look at Howard as fourth in the NFL in first half rushing yards uh, with 520 yards, but he's 22nd in the league uh, in second half rushing yards at 248. And 60% of his carries have come in the first half. I mean, he should have an opportunity to run after halftime this week as a home favorite against the 49ers. And the 49ers have had the lead in games for just 10% of their offensive plays uh, in the second half this season. That's the lowest rate in the NFL. So the Bears should be running some plays, at least in some favorable game script. And the 49ers have kind of been okay against the run two of their past three games. But Howard still run for four, uh, 5.4 yards per carry against better defenses than the 49ers over the past month. So I think it's a great week for uh, Jordan Howard to tap into a ceiling a little bit instead of being like a volume floor play. And the total in this game is only 43 and a half, which is a bit surprising. Like, I understand why it is the Bears, first of all, better at home. They do a good job limiting pace at home, especially. And the Bears just don't score many points on their own, so I understand why it's only 43.5. But I see this as a game where San Francisco is going to be able to score. I think they're going to be able to force some pace against the banged-up defense. And I, I think this is going to be a higher-scoring game than you think, which, I've, which gives Jordan Howard maybe not as much of a chance for second-half carries, which he hasn't really needed, but maybe gives him a better chance for a touchdown. So I... I like Jordan Howard quite a bit this week, and I, I'm, I'm excited to play him. Uh, another guy I like, to, you're just naming all my favorites. So if we're going down, we're going down together in this <laughs> podcast, and that's Tyrell Williams, who did not practice on Wednesday because of a labrum injury that he suffered last week. But the early reports have suggested he, he will play. They've been positive, but certainly make sure to pay attention to the injury reports as we move forward. But if he plays... Do you like him this week against the Bucks? Yeah, and although he's nicked up, he's been perpetually dinged up with multiple ailments all season long and still been a good performer. So, I mean, if he's a go, then uh, he's a go in my lineups. You know, Williams is kind of weird because seemingly everyone loves this guy. Like, everyone on Twitter says they love him. All the experts say they love him. But every week he's ranked, like, wide receiver 30 in the consensus ranks. So something doesn't add it up. But the real facts are that the dude is straight balling. I mean, his last five non-Denver games, he's been the wide receiver 11, 13, 14, 9, and 15. Uh, and he's averaging 6.2 catches for 103 yards and 21 PPR points over that stretch with four touchdowns. Uh, he has the sixth in the league in receptions and for 20 more yards, while 19% of the completions against the Bucks go for 20 more yards at the second highest rate in the league. Continuously treated as a fringe wide receiver two, three in rankings. I think he's really a wide receiver, fringe wide receiver one, two weekly. No, I agree with that completely. I had him, I've had him 
in or around my top 12, I think, every week recently, and he's, he's paid it off. And the Chargers fed him targets underneath last week, uh, and he certainly has the talent to turn those catches into really big gains and you know take advantage when the defense starts to creep up, which is what, what they did against the Texans when he had his touchdown on, on a nice post route. So I think he's going to have a big game if healthy. That's obviously going to be the concern. Is he healthy? But that's something that you'll just need to pay attention to the rest of the week. Finally, we, we go back to the Chicago and San Francisco. It's going to be an important game for you, to, uh, Rich, for, for your hashtag brand. Uh, Kaepernick's solid play has finally turned Vance McDonald, who I, I, I know that coming out of the draft was somebody we were, I think a lot of people were interested in, uh, you know, several years ago. Now I think he's in the final year of his rookie deal, but he's finally turned him into a reliable fantasy weapon. He has at least six targets each of the last five games. He's averaging over 50 yards. Do you think he's going to keep it going this week against the Bears? Yeah, I mean, McDonald's interesting. He hasn't been like blowing the doors away. He has just two top 12 scoring weeks over his past five games. But since week seven, McDonald leads the 49ers in targets. He's got 18.3% of the team targets over that span. Prior to that, he had just 5% of the team targets through six weeks. As you mentioned, he's had six or more targets in all of those games. So a nice little bed of opportunity. And the Bears are going to be missing linebackers, Danny Trevathan and Jarrell Freeman. Freeman is an abhorrent one because he's been one of the best coverage linebackers uh, the season. The Bears have now allowed a tight end to score in each of their past three games. I mean, so I think if you had a guy like Delaney Walker on by, or you may be dealing with Jordan Reed sitting out, or the, tap, the fact that he's playing Arizona while being injured, uh, McDonald's a guy I think I would I would dig for if he's available for, for uh, an option this week. And you mentioned the, that game probably going over. Uh, it sounds like I'm counting on that as well. When you go back and like, sometimes you can do this with betting. You can just start thinking about it from a fantasy perspective, which I actually, I think betting and fantasy go hand in hand. I've, I think I've said that before on this podcast, but if you, if you just think about it from a fantasy perspective, Oh, I like all of these fantasy players. Well, you probably like the over then just something certainly to think about, especially if it's lower and on McDonald, he gets the jets next week and the Falcons, uh, the week after that, the jets have actually been better this year against tight ends, but the Falcons remain a prime target. So that's something to keep in mind. If you're planning for the future, if you know you're going to be in the playoffs, but you're kind of weak at tight end, definitely something to keep in mind. Thanks, as always, for coming on, Rich. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter, at Lord Reeves. You can find his work at rotoworld.com. You can also find Nick Minzio at Rotoworld. Follow him at Nick Minzio. My handle is at RM Summerlin on the Tweety Machine, so certainly hit the follow there. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast anywhere you find it, and we will talk to you next week. 